Bombcast, the most heretical podcast about the New Jedi Order. I'm your host, Bria, and with me are my co-hosts, Rocky and Megan. This month, we'll be talking about the New Jedi Order. Yep, you heard me. The New Jedi Order. So grab your villip and enjoy the show. And hey, guys, how are we doing tonight? Hey, doing all right. Hi. Oh. How, how do like, we... Sorry, I go like ahead. I like that you specified the title of the series in this episode because we are, in fact, talking about the entire series. <laughs> I try to be precise whenever possible. <laughs> you may have noticed an increasing number of times in which we had to bite our tongues about things that happened later on in the series or in which Rocky would say... Ask me about that later. So <laughs> we just really need to get some of these thoughts out of our out of our systems now. And since it's close to the holidays, we figured it might be hard to find time to read. So we're basically doing what we call our spoilers episode. And I guess this is really the holiday special for the Vaughncast. <laughs> so <laughs> there's gonna be uh, singing. It's not gonna be that bad, I swear. There's gonna <laughs> be a weird strange. cartoon interlude. Happy life day, y'all. <laughs> The cartoon interlude is actually going to be the best part. It really is. Uh, I hope you all get excited. There are dancing corgis. Um, Ooh, cool. <laughs> there's not actually dancing corgis. I just thought. I thought maybe we don't have the budget. There Anyways, are corgis. I, I think he's a corgi. Odie's dog in the hashtag Vongcast tag on Twitter will provide you with cute dogs if you'd like. That was yes. literally whose corgi I was thinking of. Yes. So. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right, Odie, you now have a job when you listen to this episode. Send us cute, quirky pictures. Anyways, so we're going to be talking about spoilers for the entire expanded universe. Uh, we're going to do an emphasis on the New Jedi Order and the series that come after it, like Legacy of the Force and Bay of the Jedi. So if you're reading along with us for the first time and don't want to be spoiled, we're not going to be offended if you skip this episode. Um totally understandable. We are going to be completely ridiculous tonight, and we have embraced that. But yeah, maybe come back in a year when we finish the series and then listen to it again. So we kind of have show notes, sort of. But Rocky, I'm going to make you pick where we go first. Ooh, what do I want to yell about the most? <laughs> you had a lot of feelings. I really, I really want someone to go back through the first 10 episodes of the series and f- count how many times Rocky goes, ask me about that later. <laughs> Or the yeah, number I of guess. times that the number of times I'm just like, excuse me, duct tape on mouth, cannot talk about this, or <laughs> I'm like bouncing angrily, just going, I want to say something good, but hold that thought. <laughs> Ooh, where do I want to start on this? Um, it's a big decision, I know. Ooh, uh, flip a coin. Wait, I don't. <laughs> I am not going to roll a d20 for this because my d20 is programmed to get the most hilarious possible rolls. Okay, I'm going to start with how did Jaina turn out so normal and what the actual whatever Jason. Why I'm both very pleased and very displeased at the same time with with Legacy of the Force and what it did to the Solo Twins. I, I have a really bad answer to the first part about Jaina. Yeah. Sexism. Yeah. I have a feeling that unfortunately yeah. that's going to be the answer to a lot of our rhetorical whys in this episode. Okay, this series did not age very well in the sexism viewpoint, at least not in my book. And some of that might just be my internal social justice warrior coming out. And I'm saying that totally unashamedly and unironically, but... No, the uh, more 
the more I looked through this our show notes, the more I went, oh, that's a place where a female character's story was sidelined. That's a place where a female character died. That's a place where her like plotline became part of a man's plotline. Like I, I agree. I feel that too. I think um, there are later I'm going to talk about Nenium stuff. And I was like thinking about this earlier today going, I can come up with a reason for Nenium's fate. That's not sexism, but I don't know that it's the real reason. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, the cynical part of me wants to attribute a lot of it to sexism and I'm just like just reading this and especially with the direction that the greater Star Wars universe has turned recently, this is all the more jarring and it just makes me go, "Wow. Wow. I'm kind of glad that when I first read this, I didn't catch as much the sexism like a lot of Alima Rar's characterization, a lot of that were things that I totally missed and pointed out in our recent episodes where I'm just like, wow, how did I uh, not see this as a teenager? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And by, At the like, same time, though, it's almost like it's not, I don't know, maybe I just have rose-colored glasses on, but there's definitely sexism going on in the NJO, but I feel like it gets so much worse in Legacy of the Force. Yes. Like, that's where everything just comes to roost because Alima goes I don't even know how to describe what happens to Alima and then Jaina's whole everything it's who is she going to marry and I'm like are you kidding me and Tahiri deserved better and I will totally fight people about that Tahiri deserved so so much much better better. okay Tanelka deserved so much better and deserved to be getting to do substantially more than just getting to be Jason's secret (laughs) girlfriend Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> I just I just got out my Legacy of the Force did not age well soapbox, and that is a very big soapbox. This I did not why... make it through my reread. <laughs> this is why I'm almost glad that, like, so Nenium dies at the end. There's our first big spoiler. Um, Aside and... from that, Jason is... Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and... She, I was thinking about this going, well, one of the reasons, I think one of the reasons she did, one of the reasons was definitely she was a lady and her plotline wasn't about a man and so they didn't know what to do with her. But also, the end of a series like this is often a place where authors will try to um, leave openings or not for other authors, like the people that are involved in making this book aren't necessarily going to be the ones involved in making the next book. And I think a lot of the Yusun Vong stuff was so up in the air that they were like, we kind of can't have this character running around in the circles with our solo Skywalker clan. She'd be too, she'd like affect the plot of future books too much. And so we can't have another Yusun Vong wandering around. However, also sexism <laughs> and i like that rocky can you just clarify because i'm i'm curious you mentioned earlier that you said you're comparing this to the current era of star wars and is yeah. that because we now have female characters yes. like ray okay that's what i thought i just wanted well, to be sure that's we're what doing you meant. a general spoilers episode and if this starts to bleed more into even fate of the jedi territory and i'm not positive what happened in that series in full disclosure tentacles. i'm going to either i recall tentacles and Dala being a truly terrible politician who gave her that job seriously and the contrast of major 
imperial female leaders because Ray Sloan is actually competent and awesome. And did not sleep her way to the top. That's exactly. my girl. Mm -hmm. And, oh boy, this is just going to turn into a giant ranting session about a lot of our issues in retrospect, isn't it? It makes me think about... Like, cool. When, <laughs> when I read them first, I was definitely disappointed by like things like Nenium's fate. I remember definitely being disappointed. And even a little bit by how Jaina was treated toward the end of the book. But I liked them so much that I almost felt like, okay, my, like, I care about them. Obviously, the series cares about them. So the, I didn't feel as, like, pushed away because I just like the strength of my interest in them overshadowed anything that Canon was actually doing. But looking especially at this list and this list, like I think because of just who we are and the characters that we like, this list is a lot about the lady characters. Um, we see so many of them have these kind of endings that don't so much come to a crescendo as kind of trickle out and fade away. And that's much more noticeable now on this read than it was when I was young, when I think I did notice a bit of disappointment. I definitely noticed, like, I wasn't thrilled about Nenium, but I was, like, I was not as aware of it as a systemic a pattern, you know? Is it bad that I don't even remember what happens to her? Like, I assume, like, I know she dies, but I just can't, I can't put my finger on it. Is it in the final prophecy? Yes, yes, it so. is. And I feel like it has something to do with... The Tahiri stuff, With Zanama right? Seika, I think it had yeah. the Yushan Long pronunciation contest. There you go. Okay. That's it. Like yeah. Right after she starts to sort of ally with Tahiri. That's she, it. Okay. She's, yeah. She allied yeah. with the like rogue priest and then sort of starts to ally with Tahiri. And then I think, I don't quite remember, I think Naminor kills her. That sounds Nominor. I feel like it. Yeah. I feel like overall Nominor just deserves a prize for being in the top five of absolutely terrible people in the galaxy. Like, yeah. I don't know. Is there like a inverse of the Nobel Prize in the galaxy for like worst person? <laughs> she had so much to live for. She could have done so much science. Arg. Yeah. She was an excellent character. She was. And I, I feel like, okay, I don't have quite as many feelings about her as you two do, but her death doesn't. It doesn't feel right. Well, it doesn't. Okay. But here's the thing is like, it doesn't bother me as much because it kind of, if, if I'm remembering things right, it feels like, you know, the redemptive death of a villain. Does that make sense? Yes. I would agree with that yeah. generally. Oh, yeah. And the story, the NJO, I, I will say this. Lucino, I mean, we'll get more into this later, further down the line, but he did a very good job of wrapping things up and then weaving everything open, like for places characters could go. Um, it's just what came after that. I'm trying not to say an F-bomb. Uh, screwed it up. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I also talk. feel like tonight could be a contest of trying desperately to keep Bria and Rocky podcast appropriate <laughs> we get one f-bomb <laughs> i definitely want to talk a little bit more about the role of the yusan vong and like the larger eu but i also just really really want to hear more rocky's feelings about the solo twins Ooh. <laughs> yeah. okay wait, I'm, oh, gonna, I'm gonna challenge you on this though rocky okay okay focus focus ah! mainly okay i i know it's hard um <laughs> step one 
<laughs> no, I, I think what might work best here is if we try and mostly focus on the events that happen before, you know, star by star and before, but taking, you know, where they go into account. Does that make okay, sense? Okay, thank you. You just gave me some desperately needed direction there. I'm the great thing, at direction. The, <laughs> I am when I'm driving. Otherwise, ha. <laughs> but so the thing that really got me about what happened with the solo kids was that it seemed that it was being set up that Jaina would be a great Jedi warrior and that would really be her calling in life. And she would not end up in a ridiculous love triangle that seemed very appropriate in my 11th grade classes. And Jason seemed like he was more on the path to being either some kind of Jedi mystic or hermit or honestly just totally resigning from the Jedi and wandering off to do his own thing and not crashing headlong into the Sith. But it really felt that more so more so Destiny's Way really set up the Solo Twins as having much better futures than they ended up having. And it really felt like it was going in a pretty okay direction. And then somewhere between bugs and surprise Vergeres the Sith, everything kind of blew up in our faces. And then we were left with, I don't know what just happened, but we bugs. did not actually need everything to go this badly wrong. Bugs happened. Plus, like bugs literally, happened. I blame yeah. the, the Killix for everything that goes wrong in the in the uh, post NJO I'm about world. to just agree with you and believe that because I don't know what exactly happened there, but that so, did not seem like the path that Jaina or Jason were on. So the all. thing, the thing that part of what I remember when I did my reread a couple of years ago was that the unifying force sets up both of them, you know, like you said, they have their paths that destiny's way puts them on and Jaina's, you know, her and Jag are all, all right, cool. Like we're, we're friendly, but it doesn't, it doesn't make her ending about him. Yeah. And then darkness trilogy happened. It's where you see Jason uses force lightning on Tatum at one point. And I don't think we had ever seen him do that before. And I'm like, you are torture. I mean, she's not a good lady, but you are torturing an old lady with force lightning. This is, this is not good. Um, you see the whole, uh, love triangle thing rear its ugly, ugly head because she throws Jag under the bus. Uh, is I mean, almost literal bus. Uh, <laughs> she and Zek go off to the bugs, and there's it's admittedly really funny, but in you know, in this context, it's not funny. Where she's like, We, you know, we are so over him <laughs> with Jag, like all of that stuff starts in dark nest and you see like like it ruins everything for everyone and i hate those books so much i think i still stand vindicated on having not read them yes <laughs> yeah but, but then again i also intensely just don't ship jaina and jag and even by the end of legacy of the force i'm just like i still don't get it i really don't i figured she was a confirmed bachelorette <laughs> And, the dream. Uh, um, I yeah. think that there is something to be said for like sometimes you just don't ship something, but there's also and like if I ship this, I can very well see myself coming up with all these, you know, 
textual reasons why I liked it or whatever, but I, I don't ship chain on anyone really. Um, but, but also you got to look at the context. Like it is definitely that, like, we don't know what to do with her. She's a lady. So let's put her into a love triangle and be, and she has to be desirable in order to be an interesting character at that point. And that's not how storytelling should go. Yeah. I will not like, actually explode from frustration, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I have another solo kid question for either of you or both of you or whatever. So in Star by Star, we see Jaina have her brush with the dark side because she is really just not having it. Um, how, what do you guys think about that? Knowing both what comes later in the NJO and how it's ultimately her stupid brother who goes down the dark side. Zero percent surprised. Really? Tell me more. Okay, so I, by the point of star by star, I was just kind of sitting there waiting. Like, how long is it going to take in this series for Jaina to do something that is clearly dark side? It's going to happen. She is not a level-headed person in the big scheme of things. She tries, but she has a lot more anger and temper. Combined with the fact that she's been on the front lines of the war since she was 16, she's lost a lot of friends, she's dealt with having to grow up altogether too fast and a lot of unresolved trauma. Sooner or later, that's going to blow up in her face. And when you're Force-sensitive, it's not just a massive mental breakdown. You also will probably crawl towards the dark side. Her coming out stronger for it and sorting herself out I can see that. She is, she might be an angry kid with good reason to be angry, but she's, she's not in the worst place to deal with it. Like, she's not the one who gets captured by the Yuzhanbong and tortured and dealing with a mind-warping, quote-unquote, mentor. She's True. surrounded by somewhat more overall supportive people. At least in comparison to Jason. I know that's a low bar, but still. I'm not surprised she had a dark side encounter. I figured it would kind of happen at some point or another. And it almost reminds me of a much more mild version of going all the way back to Dark Empire. Luke has an interesting dark side encounter and comes out better for it in the longer run. Hmm, that's a good connection. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, I'm not necessarily going to put a value judgment on Dark Empire because it's been a long time since I saw it, but it de- <laughs> since I read it rather, but it did definitely. The end was sort of like Luke has uh, become a stronger person because of it, and I agree that that's also like what we're seeing with Jaina here. I think some of the I'm really curious about as we read forward. Whether some of the Jaina stuff is going to read as um, drawing from her previous experiences or not. And I think a lot of it does. Because, I mean, like, her one of her brothers is dead and one of her brothers is missing. Of course she's angry. Yeah, well, she thinks, if I remember right, she thinks he's, she thinks both of her brothers are dead. Because mm-hmm. she's just refuses to believe. Because, like. Isn't it like Jason's force presence just kind of like goes away and she yeah. just assumes he's like, dead? Leia's the only one who believes Jason is not dead. Everyone else has kind of decided he is. Yeah. Ugh. And you know what? Okay. So even though 
so you brought up the point about how how Jaina, you know, she's surrounded by people who do want to have who do want her to sort of like get better and who are supportive and how Jason is not surrounded by supportive people. But that's just for a traitor, because let's be real. In Legacy of the Force, his family's there. He has his like 12 year old cousin who adores him and is like, yeah, teach me all the cool things and everyone who are pretty supportive. And yet he still falls to the freaking dark side and is like, I'm going to kill the thing I love because that seems like a good idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, so I just, yeah, yeah. I respect Jaina pulling herself so contrived. out. Yeah. Hey guys, don't. No, never mind. We debunked that last time. <laughs> oh, oh boy. What about you, Megan? I don't, I, don't have, I don't have too much to add about the twins. You guys pretty much covered everything that I was gonna was gonna go into. Um, I think this is sort of a natural place to transition into Tahiri's role because yes. she obviously has um, some truly, truly unfortunate dynamics with Jason later, which I found uh, uh, distasteful. Let's say. Yeah, I was just gonna call it gross. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And just so out of character and so unnecessary, and it 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 makes that that kiss to Harry for me moment very yeah. awkward. Yeah. Oh, and it's not just distasteful moments with Jason. Don't forget, she has some really gross moments with Ben, Ben Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a what did I just read moment, and yeah, like. As I read that, I'm just like, I didn't read that. Did I? What? I think. Yeah. And that just made me go, what did I just read? And there was a, there was definitely a brain bleach moment in there. And then there was a Tahiri deserve better reaction very quickly. Yeah. What gets me with Tahiri is that she gets, she goes through some really awful stuff in this series but I actually overall like her arc because it's an actual arc where she gets to, you know, she tries to deal. We see her having to deal with basically being tortured. Not that I'm ever advocating for characters to be tortured. Like, let me just get that sh- clear right now. But we see her like, you know, trying to figure out how to deal with having this other person in her head, having to deal with like kind of having part of a Yuzen Vong in there. And then her dealing with losing Anakin and then everything we know comes further down the line, especially in like the final prophecy where I was like, I was, I appreciated it. We saw her growth. It it worked. And then the flow walking just ruins everything. And I hate it. I will go to my deathbed wishing that Tahiri had become a liaison between the Yusan Vong and the Jedi and that the rest of her story had been her long and dramatic career in diplomacy, trying to help the two groups uh, exist in relatively proximate space to one another. Yes. Yeah. Because her having a nasty encounter with the dark side makes some sense because uh, recovering from trauma is a nightmare of a process does not go smoothly and will carry many setbacks to say the least. It makes sense that it should be a long, difficult road for her to figure out how to live with what's happened to her. But I don't like how it was taken and it just got creepier and creepier to the point where I'm going, 
I don't know what I'm reading, but I'm really, I have a lot of questions. See, I wasn't okay with the dark side stuff because to me, I mean, yeah, I don't, obviously I don't disagree that trauma, dealing with trauma is a long road, but to me, it felt like she had, she had found, made peace with it. If Mm -hmm. that makes sense by the end of the NJO. Cause like all that stuff with Rena in her head and all, like it seemed, it seemed like she was in at least a decent manageable place and it was all Jason, like, and and Jason, screwing with her. Jason basically dismantled a lot of the progress that she made and things went even more wrong. And uh, it's she deserved a lot better. And I feel like I feel like there were a lot of better ways she could have happened in Legacy of the Force. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ugh. I might end up finishing that Legacy of the Force reread just out of morbid curiosity. Why? <laughs> yeah, are you sure you want to do that? Curiosity. <laughs> Look, I didn't say I was going to read the Bug trilogy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have thoughts about the Yusan Vong in general. If uh, we want to skip to that, we have no. There's no plan, okay. Megan. I don't okay. know why you Go thought there it. was a plan. <laughs> We're pretending, I was pretending there's a plan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was pretending there was a plan for a while. So my shoebox, my soapbox that I will always stand on is that the later EU just didn't really know what to do with the Yusan Wong. And they had dominated for 19 books. That's okay. They don't necessarily have to be part of every story. But they disappeared completely, and I was really left going, like, give me something. Give me one novel set on Zanamasikot talking about what they're doing now. Like, there's a whole living planet that can build organic spaceships, and that's super weird. And maybe it doesn't quite sound like, feel like Star Wars, but there were, like, 20 novels connected to it so can't we have one more that's set after (laughs) um and there were uh mercy kill is the exception i think that is a book where they had a yusan vong character kind of trying to come to terms with or other people trying to come to terms with him he had been raised by humans which uh added like he wasn't he wasn't really one of those anamasiko yusan vong um so i overall i was looking like, I wrote more of them. And when I was looking about into this on Wikipedia, because I, I was just reading up on their history and their, like, the things that we learn about them later on in the series in terms of their force sensitivity and stuff, um, I discovered that there was a character who was written for the Dark Forces Saga, which was a um, tabletop game, like, uh, module, mm-hmm. where there was a dark Jedi Yusan Vong who trained what? Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. So this is the name of this article on Wikipedia is Vongarella, which I hate and is a fan like that's not a canon name, it's like a fan nickname that was like suggested like the author like used it a few times, I guess. Um, informally, but she's described as a female force-sensitive Yusan Vong, um, who at one point uh, corrupted a Jedi who captured Kyle Katarn at some point. Oh my point. god. And of course <laughs> Kyle Katarn is involved. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm too sober for this to make any sense to me. 
<laughs> I just wanted you all to know about this because I didn't know about it until about half an hour ago. And now I know there's a quite beautiful picture on Wikipedia. Okay, two things. <laughs> it's not it's not a great picture, but it's you know, the art is fine. Yeah. Two yeah. things. Number one, I would really like to do a tabletop gaming session with you, Megan, where you RP as this dark side for sensitive piece and bong. Sold. I'll do it. And Brian will hold us to that. Yeah, Brian has done yes, record yes. already. Yeah. Sold. Number two, <laughs> I really want us to read, when we go through the main series, I really want us to read Mercy Kill as a bonus book Ooh. because it's, I noticed that when I when I read it, and I'm trying not to give too too many spoilers because I don't know if, if Rocky's read it or not. Yes, um, I have. It okay. was many years ago, but yeah. Yeah, but it was it felt like the only book that actually not just because I had a, a Yu Zen Vong character, but it felt like the only book that dealt with the fallout of the war. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of a big you know, you see why Piggy didn't want to Get go back with the wraiths. You saw everything they had to deal with. Uh, it was all the other books just kind of went. Oh right, it's been like ten years since the war ended. It's fine, and maybe they would make like a minor reference to what happened. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Coruscant got freaking terraformed. Like lots. This happened to planets. They were destroyed, and you're really gonna tell me that ten years later everything is fine, and like most people don't Seriously. have some serious. Yeah, so that's why that's why I like Mercy Kill. It's great. Also, it's by Aaron Alston, who could do no wrong in my eyes. Um, so yes, and that's why I think we should read Mercy Kill in next December, right. guys. Can we? we? I, I'd be in support of this, honestly. Please, we will Megan. Read Rogue Planet. Oh, I mean, I'm, you don't have to ask me for permission. <laughs> <laughs> I just I figured you're the one I had to convince. <laughs> no, we'll see what how things are that year, but I'm I'm up for it. I might. Yeah, I would. Be actually interested to read Rogue Planet also. I could do that. I don't yeah. remember liking it terribly much, but Anakin gets a spaceship, so yes. <laughs> Anakin gets adorable space polyps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New Jedi um, Order, podcast. We're not going to end at the Unifying Force, apparently. <laughs> no. <laughs> um... Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, uh, Mercy Kill did a really interesting job of that. I really wanted more, like, from the perspective of a Yu Sun Wong in that time. The other thing about, like, them is reading the Onimi parts with Nenyim in the series and realizing later that Onimi is, like, the, pow- the power, or knowing, rather, that he's the power behind the throne, being like, okay, so, like, the supreme overlord specifically picked her and just knowing all that made that so much creepier oh yeah like knowing who onimi really is knowing that he's the actual power behind the throne it makes him all the worse and yeah truthfully i loved that plot twist it was not what i expected at all but then finding out that oh wait a minute Onimi is the actual one we should be concerned about here. And I'm just, and throughout all this, I'm just thinking this is absolutely not what I expected. And that's probably why I love it. Yes. I, I didn't expect it at all in the first time. Um, seeing the way Shimra is placed now, it makes me 
see that they make him dramatic in the most they make him like maximum dramatic he's set up to be what they think the ideal of the yusan wang will be because they're going to be conquerors they're going to be soldiers you know they're going to be this like built guy on a throne but that's not really who they are because this isn't really what their species is supposed to be their species was not really supposed to be conquerors they were like they lived in harmony not necessarily in harmony but like they lived like relatively peacefully you know mm-hmm. um they did their terraforming and and they used by bi- like biological technology but they weren't they weren't coming in and trying to sweep out all their life um yeah. so I'm, like, I'm curious as to how much the authors earlier in the series knew about yeah. or if it even was the plan for all this shimra and onimi stuff <laughs> Um, I think in my copy of Unifying Force, at least, there is one specific Robin interview with the authors that does go through quite well a lot of what was planned out, what was or wasn't known in general. And like, yeah, there's a lot more. I don't know. I feel like I feel like they had a lot of plot points vaguely mapped out, but it took a little while to actually actually pin down everything. Mm-hmm. The stuff yeah. about the droid war um, could very well have been made later and then added on because it didn't, it it wasn't a twist. It was an explanation, but it wasn't a twist the way the Onimi thing was. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Also, I'm realizing I really don't remember most of what happens in the later books. <laughs> like. Um, I don't really remember what happened in Force Heretic other than more things that made me not ship Jaina and Jag. I'm going to keep about my I Survived the Jaina Solo Ship Wars shirt as we go through this series. I mean, for the Force, for those ones, I remember they were all way too long. And it was, watches Luke and everyone else and Mara go to a different planet that somehow has a tie to their past. Like... Let's go to where one of Luke's dead girlfriends was. Let's go find the Fells. Let's go somewhere yeah. else where probably there was another dead girlfriend. Yeah. Um, which, oddly enough, is also somewhat the plot of Fate of the Jedi. <laughs> and also, like, Except see the Force. More, more tentacles, weirdness, and where did we lose the plot anywhere around here? Did we have one to begin with at times? I'm looking forward to when Harar comes in, and I don't remember which book that is, but it's the second it's half the somewhere. Uh, okay. No, we don't, we've, we've met him already. Wait. Yeah. Did we? Yeah, because... Yeah, I, yeah with uh, What's-Her-Face. With Alon, his daughter. Yes. Yeah, we meet him, but I remember... Wait, that's oh, his daughter right? a lot more. Wait. Yeah, Alon is his daughter. Oh, I that must have been... That. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I am totally making stuff up. Yes, hello, Wikipedia. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'll believe either one. Um, no, I'm I almost think... positive on this one. Wait, he has to be. He has to be in Dark Journey because that's when all. That's when the twin stuff like really starts in in force. No, <laughs> no, I'm thinking of Jakan, the other high priest who is Alan's father. Uh, okay. Okay, yeah, I know we see way more of Harar later. I feel like we yeah. do. I don't and know. I'm. I think <laughs> it's Dark Journey and uh, and the Alston books where the trickster stuff happens. 
I remember him because he yes. brings in the information about the previous Supreme Overlord and what happened in the other galaxy. And that's when you get into the, like, Yusunbog history okay. stuff. Okay, once we start to get into Jaina for publicity slash propaganda pretending to be like the avatar of Yoon Harla. That is one of my favorite little plot points. It is so intensely Jaina and I love how it's done. Oh, it's excellent. It's <laughs> very the, good. Just the you can call me goddess line was like 15 year old me's reaction was like the heart eyes emoji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, and that's, I know we talked about this earlier, but that's part of why I love the NJO so much is even though we had those rough books in like the, the sort of the middle but like once we hit uh, Edge of Victory, or these all have such extra names. I just want to point that out. This like, whole series is so extra. I love it. I just, whatever it's called, like Edge of whatever it is, all the way up to like Destiny's Way. It's such a solid run of books and so many good things happen. And, and it takes you across the gamut of emotions. I mean, yeah, Star by Star depresses you and Dark Journey takes you down your angsty middle school evanescence uh trip but then I resemble enemy that line. remark <laughs> I mean me too so and oh. then enemy line just makes it better again and then traitor rips your heart out again yeah yes <laughs> I've never recovered from traitor I never will yeah <laughs> uh, Stover I, I don't want to be harsh but I just if these books had been published today I feel like one of them would have been named simply Jason Solo like, yes, <laughs> I like I, the creative <laughs> names. I do love how even over though the they're extra and edgy, it it's so ridiculous. But this whole series is kind of next level over the top. Like your entire galaxy is getting dismantled by a bunch of terrifying aliens who seem to be doing things just to be as horrifying as possible. This whole series is so extra, and I kind of love that. <laughs> Wait, I have to go back a second. Traitor would totally be called treason now. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I, I And I do, okay, so I, I do want to say, I do, there are some things in Legacy of the Force that I like, Um I always refer to that and Fate of the Jedi as being Alston because they had him write the leadoff book and he got me back because Aaron Alston's writing just felt safe and I was happy and there was funny and maybe I didn't always like where things were going, but I was okay with it. And there are things in both Fate of the Jedi and Legacy of the Forest that I like. I just don't like how it was denninged. <laughs> But that's yeah, actually, a very good way of putting it, really. Actually, yeah. that's a question we have down here from our listeners. Uh, and I did not do that segue on purpose. It just happened. Uh, Odie asked us, given the positive reception Star by Star got versus the criticism he got for nearly everything else he wrote, what's the deal with Troy Denning as an EU author? Honestly, Odie, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either because I never understood the... I never understood the deep dislike of Denning here and there until quite recently, basically until we were doing this podcast and I thought back on it and thought back on some of my questionable moments in Crucible and the fact that 
I don't think I should reread Crucible because I don't know if I want more perspective on it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't want to deal with creepy Leia? And then everyone going into the gold blob and her and Han retelling Leia the story of their life, their lives together as she ages back up from like 20 something to 60 something. You don't want to you don't want to do that. I don't do those kinds of drugs. So, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) Um. The thing is, like, Star by Star in and of itself is such an awesome book. And then I don't know what happened because in general, I can say a lot of things about writing quality and how it changed from how did you ever pull off New Jedi Order to Legacy of the Force having its moments of being halfway decent and more moments of making me go, what are you up to? And then Fate of the Jedi being all over the place and I still don't know what the plot is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I liked. So he also wrote Tatooine Ghost, which was the Leia and Han book that took place after Courtship of Princess Leia. And I liked that well enough. It wasn't amazing, but I liked it. Um, granted, that was during his, uh, hey, the prequels are out now and Leia and Luke should know about their parents. So let's just shove in everything we can phase. Um but and, and I even like his first book. I can't remember the name of it, but his first book in the Legacy of the Four series. I think it's Tempest. It has J- it has Tenelka on the cover. Yeah, that's Tempest. Yeah, but everything else, I just. Uh, I, I really. I just, it's, it's so like hard to know. It's it's very hard to address this because I think as. There's everything from, like, okay, he was edited differently on one book to one of them had to be written a lot faster than the other to he was in a different mood. You know, you have no idea. And I have no idea. But I am consistently baffled by Troy Denning because he did Star by Star and then Crucible and a couple truly, you know, know, just very unpleasant star wars books and now he's doing halo books that i quite like so who knows the man's a mystery an enigma and not <laughs> always mean, a, not always a one you want to read all the time <laughs> yeah and just a, a cya thing these are obviously anyone listening this is not like person these are not intended to be personal attacks against troy denning yes like, i do i want to clarify that very too. much opinion Yes, about his writing. Yes, the work is not the author. And that's why I say, like, sometimes things can happen when the book is written very fast or when an editor doesn't catch something. Like, Crucible was a bad book, but I don't... It's very hard to... You know, I'm not going to make statements about a person uh, based on their writing in these particular books, you know? Also, when someone is working within someone else's universe, even though I don't know a lot about publishing, I would think that you are given more in the way of guidelines than if you're doing your own writing in your own universe. And as a result, that may or may not result in something that is what you might originally have wanted to do or had in mind or would commonly do, blah, blah, blah. Probably a different type of guidelines, not necessarily more or less, but a different type. Yeah, and and let's, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Lucasfilm is definitely giving more guidelines now mm-hmm. than they mm-hmm. were back during when all of this was happening. Like, there's no, there's no way 
there's no way the Jedi bug sex would happen now. And good God, am I grateful for that? Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, actually, so some of my friends costumed as the Jedi strike team. I think it was like Celebration 3. And apparently he was like, he thought it was the coolest thing and was very, very nice to them. And I've only heard people say nice things about him in person. I just can't stand so much of what he did. <laughs> Darkness onward. <laughs> But I think we've all, like, all of us have been in multiple fandoms also. And we've all run into authors where in one fandom, we may or may not like their work very much. But in another fandom, we think they really shine. I've yeah. definitely had that happen to me. I mean, <laughs> hell, with oh, Karen yeah. Travis in, in Star Wars, like, I love the Republic Commando books so freaking much. I didn't, I didn't as much care for her three in Legacy of the Force, mm-hmm. even though, like, because I liked the, all the the mandela stuff but also i was like this doesn't fit with everything else that's going on Mm -hmm. um but yeah so odie answer to your question who the hell knows um (laughs) we have no answer (laughs) it's unexplainable (laughs) yeah oh boy do we want to look at the other questions or do we want to other things we want to go on about Megan. So I think yeah. I think I'll have more like detailed thoughts about world building stuff as we actually learn it about like what the Yusun Wong's past was and stuff. Because um, I I want to talk a little bit about like why they aren't force sensitive and whether that makes any sense with the rest of the galaxy. But I also need to reread some of those books to actually figure out what that to remember what that explanation actually was because I can't quite remember. So I'll yeah. get back to that. There's no way I can talk about that before everything else. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we might at the end of all this have to do like a series in review kind of podcast where we actually go over some of our spoiler episode thoughts and questions and everything after having read the whole thing. Good news. I already have that scheduled. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) I just have to add in Rogue Planet to our to our podcast schedule, but I I have everything scheduled. Uh, We should be doing this through February of 2020, more or less, I think is what I when you said December next December. I was like, oh, my gosh, she actually knows (laughs) when she actually knows when it's going to be. Oh, I do. No, it's good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't actually know what year it is right now at times because I feel like I'm missing like three months this year for some weird reason. So whatever. It's like a fake number. Um, It is a fake number. But you know, it's not fake. Well, she is fake. Never mind. That doesn't work. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Vergere, Vergier, whoever you want to pronounce her, her name. Um, there's a note in here. It says, do we believe she's Sith? Thoughts on that. And then Nancy also asks us, this is nestled below it for whatever reason. Does Jason's turn make sense in light of the NJO? Should it have happened earlier? Why do you think the later series seemed to want to tear the sky solos apart? And honestly, I feel like Nancy's question is better answered after Traitor. Like that might be a good one for our wrap up. Maybe. I feel like, yeah, I feel like a lot of that question, we've touched on parts of it already. Like the does Jason's fall make sense? At least I've touched on that a little. Yeah. But I feel like a better answer to that, please hold, traitor to come. <laughs> uh, I need to reread Traitor because, like, as of now, his fall definitely does not make sense. Like, as of star by star. Traitor, though, who the hell knows? Uh, what about our fluffy, whatever she is? Our wonderful feathered friend? Yes. Feathers was the word I was going for, not fluffy. <laughs> well, she. <laughs> 
is supposed to be kind of floppy. Oh no, now I have this mental image of like, you know how cats it's kind so of can get staticky. Oh wait, know that. <laughs> you have this image of Verger being kind of staticky right now? Like how cats can do? Okay. I'm gonna, <laughs> Actually, like, I had a worse thought. <laughs> I'm just imagining like little Ben Skywalker running up and saying Verger and just being like, it's a floppy! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Someone had a serious thought. It was not me. (laughs) My cat is slightly disturbed right now, for the record. (laughs) Okay, so do I believe she's Sith? I don't think so. I don't like that explanation. Do I believe she is some species of Darksider? Oh, yes, I can totally believe that one. The difference is that Sith are referring to one very specific set of Darksider beliefs. And I really struggle to see her fitting within that particular structure very much. Yeah, I don't, I think she's a very long way removed from the Jedi she had been at one point. I absolutely could see her being somewhat dark side. And her double talk, her deception is a pretty good way to push someone who's in a bad spot towards things that sooner or later end up with him on the dark side. I don't really like Sith just because it's very specific. Like the way I see it is Jason is Sith and he's very much trying to follow a lot of the traditions and structures of that, including taking on a Sith name. Verger seems to be not, at least the way she's written, she doesn't seem to fit into that sort of neat structure at all. She reminds me more of Kreia, where she is opposed to both the Jedi and the Sith. Mm-hmm. Yes. That makes more sense. That I makes love that. more sense. Oh my god, can you imagine if the two of them hung out? They'd be unstoppable. I don't know what they'd be trying to do, but whatever they were doing, it, they would do it. <laughs> Someone write me this fanfic. I don't care what He's, it is. I just want them talking about the galaxy and like the afterlife or something. Seriously, oh like let them go get coffee together in the afterlife and write us that fanfic, please. I, I don't think I'm capable of that. Somebody, we need to get whoever wrote Kreia's dialogue in the first place to to, to write that fanfic. Oh, but I'll keep it in there, mind. All of you who have this sort of creativity. There's that. I'll okay, the actually. List. There's that really good Kreia quote. Um, oh, I need to find it now. Hold on. Because if I if I misquote it, I'm going to be so mad at myself. Uh, it's like... Ah, there it is. Ha ha ha. Come on. Come on. Load. Dang it. There it is. Uh, sorry. Internet. Slow. Why is it... Be- oh my god. There it is. Uh, it is such a quiet thing to fall, but far more terrible is to admit it. And that is a total Jason Solo thing. Yes. So good. So good. Like, and that quote is also really great because it separates the intent or the self-understanding from the action, from yeah. the morality of the force itself. Argu- you know, arguably. I think it definitely had its own like stance in this era and uh as with all of Kreia's thoughts it has so many layers and i could just go fall down them forever coming coming in 2020 (laughs) 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 but yeah no i i think it would be amazing if someone wrote me fanfic all of us fanfic 
of Kray and Vergeer talking and them comparing the exile and Jason. My preference yep. is a light side female exile, but you know what? I can I can deal. So I agree with all of that. Yes, yes. I will enjoy it. I will leave kudos on it. Yes, and just don't name her Mitra. Anything but that. (laughs) We could have a fanfic episode once I finally get around to writing my Nenyan one with that and a Kraya episode or a Kraya fic. Yes. Claiming I don't write fanfic anymore, but I don't know. Somebody drop an idea in my lap that I can't resist. I wrote fanfic and published it two days ago, so I can't even claim that. Yeah, like, I have an AO3 up now, like, there's there's stuff over there. We're very, very accepting here. Onward to 2021. Well, maybe we have to find something that will encourage you, Rocky. We'll see. Yep. See, the thing is, there are lots of... I haven't been writing in Star Wars for a few years, but I don't know, drop an idea in my lap, and I have before come up with enough to win NaNoWriMo, it, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really just want to sing the Moana song right now. You know, it calls you. <laughs> um, like come, back. come back somewhere, into the ocean. <laughs> somewhere here about Na- National NJO Writing Month. <laughs> but, yes, hello, who signed me up? <laughs> you, you signed you up. Oh, right, right. I've just accepted wholeheartedly that I keep coming back to this fandom no matter what I do. And I... Yep. keep on ending up back in the fic <laughs> department yep. no matter what I do. Well, Star Wars for me, like, um, I don't know, the last Star Wars fic I posted was maybe last year, earlier this year. I'm not sure. But I always am so comfortable going back to that. Like, it's the one that I can write. I feel like I can write it so easily because it's just like, it was the thing I wrote a ton of fic for for like when I was first in, not necessarily first into it, first into it on, on that scale. And it's just very natural. It's home. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <sighs> okay. So there's two more questions. Um, I'm just going to dive into them. And I think one of them we sort of we sort of answered in the first episode uh, for Star by Star. But Jeff asked us, uh, that was Alima Rar's first appearance. Do we remember our first impressions of her? Which I think is the part we answered. Uh, and then for that matter, this is the first time several young Jedi introduced and or fleshed out. Who are your favorites? What do you think more generally of the series mix of new and established Jedi characters? Too many one-offs, too many legacy characters, none of character development, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think we definitely wanted to revisit the character development part with characters like like Lusa or um, uh, Tanel Ka, like characters that were legacy characters. And then ended up kind of on the sidelines. Um, I don't know too much more to add about this, but other than what we talked about when we answered the first part of the question, um, I think there were a good amount of characters, and that the ones that got character development uh, got a good amount of it. Um, there were some that just didn't, because they just weren't on the front front lines per se. But generally, I think they did. They handled the legacy characters well. It's interesting. That the for Lusa. Yeah, yeah. Justice, Justice for Lusa. <laughs> it's interesting to see, like, I'm, I'm thinking of Rebels now, because Rebels had so many cameos from movie characters that were kind of annoying to me, but the NJO and other, and the Legacy of the Force after it also tended to do cameos from book characters, like like we mentioned before, you know, some of Luke's old girlfriends, <laughs> etc. And I think that those are fine. They didn't feel they didn't feel intrusive to me because they were in the same medium. 
I don't I don't know if that's why or not, but do you, do you guys have any thoughts about that about like why these felt or did they feel like natural parts of the world rather than cameos to you? I mean, some of them. I mean, the the ex girlfriend's tour didn't. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> but the inclusion of all the Jedi that we met in like the new Jedi or not the new Jedi or the YJK, the Junior Jedi Knights, the Jedi Academy, that felt natural to me because you get to a point where you need you need all these Jedi characters, and it makes sense instead of inventing entirely new ones to bring the ones forward. Um, and I thought. Denning did a very good job in Star by Star of, with the exception of Justice for Lusa, bringing forth all of the emotional ties between the YJK characters. Um, it felt like the first time we really got to see Tenel Cod do stuff, and it made me happy. Uh, but then it was sort of balanced with how you had characters like Ganner, who had a really, has had, whatever, has a neat character arc throughout the series. I, I thought, I don't know, I thought it was pretty well balanced, I guess. Hmm. It was, I thought it was pretty well balanced also, because having read Legacy, like, having read the Young Jedi Knight series, and then, like, the Legacy characters who were carried on, and seeing them two growing up, I rather liked, if you're going to do a big ensemble cast, you're pulling in tons of people who many of the readers are probably already going to be somewhat familiar with. And I'm still really sad about the number who ended up missing, killed, otherwise not quite right. But I did like that kind of consistency and continuity, especially for those of us who read YJK when we were that, like, when we were kind of the right age for it and then ended up reading NJO a little bit older. Yeah. Also, I think it was a very Legends thing to have to have characters, you know, the same group of characters pop up all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, if you grew up in the Bantam era, you were like, oh, yeah, hey, there's Lando again. He's got another hot scheme. Uh, oh, hey, what's up, card? Wedge and Tilly's. What are you doing now? Are you are you managing construction sites? That's not cool. Uh, <laughs> so that never felt it never felt weird to me when we saw it in the NJO or when we saw it later on if that makes sense it does and i think that is something that we see less of in the current canon in the book canon things are a little bit more siloed but that's also because the book canon hasn't had as much time to to develop you know we talked about this a little bit but i feel like it is a little bit more siloed yeah and they're also all over the place with era whereas with legends they tended to especially in the early years focus more on like one one time period yeah, that's true. And I'm not necessarily saying one is better than the other, just that it's a notable a notable difference as someone who's reading both at the same time, basically. Yeah, it's always hard switching between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, uh, last question we have is from Odie again, is which solo kid and from which book do you identify with them the most? I oh, boy. That- oh, <laughs> boy, indeed. <laughs> I do um, identify with Jaina from the later books to the point, to the degree that I was also angry about a lot of things, you know, sometimes felt like I was grieving, even if I didn't have the the 
trauma in her life that that she did. Um, but I also very much identify with Jason in the beginning because he overthinks things. And I also overthink things and sometimes just have to be told that you have to just make a decision or you have to just kind of move on. And yeah, you have then, to choose an act. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, this read, definitely Jason. Um, and mostly for that, not necessarily for the way his relationships with other people uh, are, but for his like inner struggles and like the way his brain works. I feel like both me and Rocky are going to say Jaina in Dark Journey from our angsty teenage years. Am I right? Yes, but. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but there's a but. There's there's always, and I, I know there's a but. I think, I think that's true for both of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think for me now, I might actually be more Jaina in Destiny's Way, which sounds incredibly arrogant now that I think about it, but. Oh, you've grown. Yeah. <laughs> he still wish we all went to attack the clones just now <laughs> so have you Megan more beautiful I mean <laughs> oh <Sorry>. Andy <laughs> alright this is let's a different kind a- of fanfic who lets us do a podcast <laughs> I don't know who lets me unsupervised on the internet someday, oh, so <laughs> I always make it weird. I'm sorry, Megan. Um, yeah. Sorry. sorry. We're good at this. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think, I think it's Jaina and Destiny's Way for me. But for me, there is a mix of Jaina in Dark Journey because I do understand that so deeply. In retrospect, I'm slightly worried that I turned out to be apparently something of a functional adult. That was not the future I was necessarily expecting at all. (laughs) But at the same time, I feel like I also identify a lot with, it's been a while since I last read Unifying Force, but I understand a lot of Jason's decision at the end of it and identify a lot with that. Look, I'm not willing to work within these established structures. I need to go off and figure out on my own. I want to learn, explore this galaxy like a lot of how Jason kind of distances himself a little from the Jedi and wanders off to explore the force and see what's really out there. I understand a lot of that being able to acknowledge what does work, but also saying there are things going on in my life that make me unable to necessarily accept that. And sometimes having some odd perspective on things that may or may not always work out very well. Yeah, that's our, I don't really know where to go from that. I'm sorry. Yeah, neither do I. Don't worry. I'm kind of rambling. Haven't we all been? I got distracted by actually looking up to see when I did post my last Star Wars fanfic, and it was about a year ago. Um, how I, do you... I just glanced at some of my notes from my last like New Jedi Order reread because I'm actually fairly interested in what some of my thoughts were on Unifying Force, but the problem is that a lot of it's not very coherent, so... Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Rocky, how do you feel about the idea of writing fic that connects the New Jedi Order and the sequel trilogy? Like, fusion between the two of them? Ooh. Do it. Do it. Yeah, just throwing it out there as, you know... 
a potential thing. Interesting, because there are a lot of aspects of Ray that I really feel like I understand, but I also don't know how much of that is headcanon and or headcanon developed with other fans. Yeah, I think she's tricky to write, but... There are things yeah. about her that make a lot of sense to me, but I'm just not sure if I think it's canon. Okay, I just had a bunch of ideas, and if this makes me start writing, I blame you guys, and <laughs> yeah, it was probably going to happen. I mean, I already wrote Jag Fell into the canon verse, having him and like, Armitage be raised together, so someone else should join me in this hell. My work here is done. <laughs> <sighs> Anything else? Besides, you know, writing fanfic we wanted to cover in our spoilers <laughs> episode. Rocky, I am looking at you because you have the most feelings about ask me this later. And I'm looking through vague notes here and there. Yeah, I had notes about categories of dark siders. How does Jaina end up so worryingly normal? Um, Oh, come on. Where are all my my notes are all in incoherent places. Somebody probably should have made me like re-listen to some of this. Most of the stuff we we did cover most of the things that were in the show notes, which are more of suggestions, mm-hmm. but we did cover most of those. <laughs> They're more like guidelines. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we keep I to mean, the pirate that, code. That's how I view a lot of rules. So, oh dear. <laughs> this explains a lot, doesn't it? Um yeah, I feel like a lot of my overall thoughts were just like, how did this series end up actually so awesome and actually holding up so well when the two major series after it, Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi, don't really seem to have held up as well or don't really seem to be as awesome? Is it just that it's really hard to top something where you somehow managed to maintain coherent story through 19 books, get that many different people to work well enough together that it all flows how can you top that really i have no i don't think you can honestly yeah and i really think that's part of it just hit me that that's this must be why legacy of the force and fate of the jedi in particular don't stand up as well in the context of this reread where i'm just like wait a minute how long ago did i first read this series and then how did it hold up so well? Because we've all read plenty of things from our younger days that ended up just not being as awesome as we remembered. And then to be pleasantly surprised by such a long series that turned out to be just as awesome as I remembered. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think we've said it before. The, the new Jedi order is pretty special. Um, I don't think it's a feat that will ever again be replicated, especially within the star Wars universe. No. Like, I couldn't, I don't know how it happened. I think it's borderline the force intervened and there was a miracle because I don't know how it all flows that well, but it did. <laughs> Part of me, like, worries that the reason that I like it so much is because I haven't grown as much as I like to think I have, like, that I should be more critical of it. But I think also there's value in seeing, like, it's a certain genre it's a certain like of its time but also like it's just really fun and i can still like the things that i like about it and really appreciate them and probably the biggest change in my perspective on this as i read it is my attitude toward alima where i can look at her not as a character who is only in this book and only exists according to like this author's point of view but as a 
character who like could be a real person in the extent that the galaxy far far away always sort of feels like a real place to me and like could have her own motivation and could you know deserve like justice for alima so all in all revisiting it has been I've liked it even more, like, the more I read it. And there are boring parts, you know. There were definitely parts in the first <laughs> half chaos. that were... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There are parts that were a slog. But the things that I like, I, I still like so much. And I don't, you know, I worry sometimes that that is a problem. But I don't think it is. I think it's just I like what I like. And this series really kind of helped to develop my taste also. I mean, I would not be worried at all. We've... I feel like half of our episodes have been us acknowledging and pointing out how we're looking at the series through a different lens now. Like, let's be honest, even five years ago, none of us would have been like, you are children. You are 16 years old. You are not adults. Why are you going to war like (laughs) this? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, I think we've. Yeah. We like what we like, though. And I think we're doing a pretty good job of acknowledging when things are not great or even when things are not the best but we're gonna like them anyways which is what i'll just gonna i'm gonna apply that to the entirety of dark journey because i unabashedly love that book and i don't care and i think there's great value in that in saying you know i still love this thing you know i was i wasn't wrong about this thing and that's a little hard for me to come around to sometimes but it's good yes i think that's like perfect note to end things on what do you guys think sure i think so (laughs) Awesome. It's All right. Good to like things. Yes. We like liking things. Megan, where can people find you on social media and around the internet? People can find me on social media at blog full of words on Twitter. And um, I also have blog full of words on Facebook, but it's not, I don't really use it anymore. Um, my home base is blog full of words.blogspot.com. And I write for starwars.com, Star Wars Insider, and Den of Geek. Awesome. Rocky, how about you? I am Lady Darth Kytus on Twitter, which is all the more entertaining after today's episode and some of my Jason rants. I have written in the past for 11.38. Presently, I am retired. Subject to change. (laughs) (laughs) I've accepted this about this fandom. Uh, I have also appeared on Of Dice and Droids, also part of the Tashi Station podcast network. Because I love playing tabletop RPGs. <laughs> You'll be the easy one to convince then when we uh, get Megan to play that one with the dark side Vong. Just remember, I play all my game, all my characters on chaotic, ridiculous setting. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be great. <laughs> okay, and then you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram and basically everywhere at Chaos Bria. I'm also managing editor over at Tashi Station. I run the geek fashion blog, White Hot Room. And then I also have some bylines over on StarWars.com where I write about comics and something new that will pop up between now and we record the next episode that I have to be vague about, but it's going to be cool. Uh, anyways, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, this podcast is distributed as part of the Tashi Station Network. This podcast has been brought to you in part by your support on Patreon. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed or to the Throncast feed on iTunes for more episodes. Yes, we said Throncast, not Longcast. We took it over. It's fine. Join <laughs> us next time when we read Dark Journey by Elaine Cunningham. You can read and tweet along with us by using the hashtag Vongcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.